From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong and this is incredible to be with you again. Oh, I love all these people that are in this room right now. Uh, we need to introduce ourselves before we kind of dive in. Uh, I already said who I am, so I'm going to go to the left and Natalie Franco. Hi guys. Then to her left, AJ Fry. Hey everyone. And thank you, AJ, for all that you're doing. We've spent quite a quite a bit of time now with new <laughs> equipment, and we're so excited. Uh, and so, oh, I hope it actually sounds better. But anyway, um, <laughs> so to the left of AJ, whoa! I had to kind of carry the one in my brain right there. Um, <laughs> it's amazing how left and right don't ever change. Yeah, and they're apparently equated with <laughs> math. math. Yeah, is my wife, who you hear, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. And to my right, last but never least, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, a group of bunnies is called a fluffle. <laughs> That's not. I think that's, that's not. wrong. That is that's wrong. Not. Incorrect. Most, listen, most Na- people. Natalie think never knows if she should believe what Chelsea's saying. <laughs> listen, <laughs> my source this time is good housekeeping. It's a real source. Sometimes Sorry, we do look at Natalie, and she's just confused. I she's am. just. Well, this <laughs> is an important word. <laughs> Nat- Fluffle. Natalie's been with us for like at least thirty episodes, and she still doesn't understand Chelsea's fun <laughs> <laughs> But I love you, Chelsea. <laughs> I would like today for you to use fluffle three times in a sentence. Flo- oh, man. I don't know if I could I, use I, fluffle. I, I, oh, I, I will. I will Scott's use like it. challenge yeah. accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this cute picture. Oh, <laughs> uh, several episodes ago, you brought to us that there's a combination of a cow and a bison. Yes. That's a beefalo. Yes. A beefalo. <laughs> and so now we have fluffles. A fluffle of beefalo. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. This is kind of where I was going with this. The train no. has gone off the rails, folks. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Uh, to not start a kerfuffle, uh, we, we are, which, by the way, Nazi is a great word for you to know. Okay. To just spring in English and, no, and it's just. No, Don't ever use it. Yes, I've never used it, used it in my life. <laughs> Chelsea has taught many people different words that uh, have come in useful. Shenanigans, exactly. Um, but anyway, let's go ahead and start. The, apparently, Chelsea has been thinking about uh, rabbits, bunnies. Of course. Um, and so we're going to, I think we need to cleanse ourselves from that <laughs> and, and perhaps go to Emily. <laughs> what have you been thinking? Oh, I need to set this up actually. That's right. Yeah. So every now and then we have an episode that's just, I, I have to be completely honest. It's an excuse to just say, Hey, this is what we've been thinking about regarding missions, church. Remember that we are a, a podcast that deals with healthy church, uh, a church impacting our communities and the world. And, and certainly we are missionaries. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that everything you guys are thinking of has to deal with those topics and maybe <laughs> not bummies or beef. Bunnies. <laughs> and, bunnies. Not, and not bunnies or beefaloes. That is so hard to say. It's beefalo. <laughs> so anyway, get me off of this train. Emily, what have you been thinking? Well, what I've been thinking about is something that um, I've been involved in for almost 10 years, and I think about it all the time, actually, but uh, certain things have made me think about it more in the past couple of weeks, but I've been thinking about a like 
personality test and they hate that it's called a personality test, but it's called strengths finders. Um, Chelsea, I know that you know what that is. I Scott, love it. You know Absolutely. what it is. Natalie, nope. do you know what strengths finder is? I don't. No. AJ, you know what strengths finder is? Yeah. Yeah. It's a test um, that you take and it's based on everybody has these 34 strengths. And so there's different categories of things and everybody has them, but some people are really good at certain parts of them and other people it's just not as natural. And so you take the test to see what your top five are. Okay. And, um, I've been thinking about it because we're uh, in part of our preparing of missionaries. And when we bring them in for training, we do a training session of like 20 hours of StrengthsFinder because they're working in team because they need to know themselves more. And that's basically what it does is it helps you know yourself better in order to be a better teammate in order to be a better manager in order to be a better leader. Um, but even for me, I've found that it helps me be a better parent and be a better Christian. Um, and I've been thinking about it in that way. And what I really like about strengths finder is I feel like a lot of personality tests, um, are based on like, here's what you do not good and you need to work on. But strengths finder has underneath the whole entire thing of here's what you naturally do well. So work on that. So it becomes a strength, like lead that way, be that kind of person. And um, I was thinking about it in the context of my strengths. And I'll just tell you, I'm not going to jump into, I could literally do 20 hours on this <laughs> if you wanted to. We're not going to do that today. But uh, my strengths in this order are discipline, responsibility, developer, communication, and maximizer. And I've been thinking about them. And you don't obviously all know what those mean. But I uh, have discipline very high. And I've been thinking about um, how that has affected my spiritual disciplines, right? And one of the things that we do in spiritual disciplines is create something to be a habit in our lives every day that continues to feed into our own spirituality. And um, I've really leaned into being able to do that easily as opposed to, I used to do it out of responsibility. Like I would use my Bible reading or I need to pray or something like that and think, oh, I just, I I have to do this, you know, and I, I have this pressure to do it. Um, so that's a way that I've been able to see it at work in my life. And I've been able to bring in, you know, an ease of Bible reading and ease of prayer. But because I've been disciplined, I created like a pattern. I created a schedule and I'm good at that stuff. Like I just do that naturally with everything in my life. And I was like, I'm going to do this with my spiritual life as well. And it's been really helpful. So as I talk about that, I was wondering, I know that, um, you know, Natalie, maybe you don't know a lot about it. I would love for you to take the test and know what your top five are. Um, but I was wondering with you guys, it doesn't have to do with spiritual disciplines necessarily, but maybe it could, um, of when we are doing something, do you feel as though when you're in leadership, do you do it easily? Is it a challenge for you? Are there things that you wish you could do better? Um, and maybe some of these things like strengths, if you know what your strengths are, maybe some of them could feed into it, but, um, is leadership easy for you guys? Cause we're all in leadership responsibilities. What do you think? Is it easy for you, AJ? Uh, I, I'm, my, my gut reaction is no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my whole life I've been told that I could be a good leader. Really? Yeah. But I've never wanted to be a leader. Mm. I never saw myself as a good leader because I think I was defining leadership a certain way. And I have a tendency to put things and people in boxes, and I hate that about myself. But like when, when somebody says, this is what a leader is, I have a certain like criteria of what 
it should a leader should be. And so when somebody says you'd make a good leader, I don't like speaking in public. Mm-hmm. I don't like giving orders. I don't like being mean. <laughs> all, all leaders, leaders mean. All, all leaders, leaders should be mean. Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't like making hard decisions. And so for me, I've never seen myself as a leader, mm. but as I've grown and as I've matured, I think playing into my strengths, um, then yeah, I think I could, I could lead if I play into my strengths. Yeah. yeah. And a, a lot of my strengths are more of like, like serving and like doing things for others. And I've, I've realized that how I could, how I could lead out of serving in that way. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. I've come to realize that we need so many leaders that are like that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think early on when I was, you know, really coming out of college and seminary, I viewed leadership as like up in front, you know, yeah. but I've started to realize, man, oh, there, there are no ministries in this world without a bunch of people that are truly leading, like they're leading, but more with their example and less up front. So I'm, I'm thankful yeah. for people like you. And I have seen that you are a leader, but it looks maybe a little different than, than maybe what other people would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great example, even using like the strengths finder, because there's 34 different ones and everybody has different ones. Like with 34 of them, you can have different combinations. It's very rare to find somebody that's exactly like your top five, the way that they fall. And um, so just thinking about some of the strengths that I have not very naturally, you know, that would maybe fall to the 25, 26 and 27. There's people in the world that have those number one, two and three. And so to lead from like one of them is competition. For me, that's 34, right? Like I am not a competitive person at all, but somebody that leads from competition looks different in their leadership. Does that mean it's wrong or right? No, it just means it looks different because God created them to lead that way. Um, and I think as, uh, Christians and even missionaries, it helps us to know ourselves better. Uh, tests like these are a part of missionary training. If uh, and I know that Natalie, I, every time you're sitting right across from me, Natalie, and I always think about you that one day you're going to be sitting in our missionary training and you're going to hear these things and you're going to be like, oh, I know so much more. But um, it's very helpful as missionaries to like know ourselves a little bit better, and it helps us be better teammates in that way as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think the value of personality tests is not to put us in a box, but actually to open up our eyes to see how we work well with others and can work better with others. Which is the thing I hate most about most personality yeah. tests is I feel like they put me in a box. Yeah. They label like they, you. Yeah, they say, this is who you are. This is how you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. And but some not- people even are like, well, it said this is how I'm supposed to be, so I'm not going to be any different. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, oh, you got it wrong. <laughs> for me, they say, yeah, this is how you're supposed to be. And I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. This right. is not how you're supposed to be. <laughs> so, well, thank you, Emily. Um, I've thought before maybe of like doing a podcast on strengths finders but i think like i keep coming to the idea that there are podcasts that do that better yes. better than we do um as far as as far as dedicating episodes to that so you can look those up but or if you want information send us a message through the facebook page and i can get you a couple of links because i'm a coach in strengths finders and yeah. i love it and i could connect you to some resources yeah awesome. part of your strengths uh, fit into being <laughs> a right. coach for that's right. and the maximizer especially yep. so yeah okay we won't dive too far in yeah. if, if people <laughs> if are you like, want to know more <laughs> people are like they're speaking a different language i don't know what they're speaking <laughs> we're speaking strengths language um so let's move to chelsea what have you been thinking Thank you, Scott. I have been thinking a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to bring today is, um, I'm not sure if 
Beth Moore is an author that's relevant on our region, but um, she's a Christian author in the States and she has Instagram and I follow her on Instagram and it's, she's hilarious. So I'm from Arkansas, which is a state in the South and she's from Texas, which is our neighbor state. And they are very big in their personalities in Texas and here. Um, and their <laughs> area. And so she's just my kind of funny because there's a lot of cultural aspects to her that are just hilarious. Every morning she goes for a walk and she feeds a donkey in the yard next door. <laughs> Stuff like As that. one does. What? Yeah. Yeah. And like she's named it and she talks to all the cows and she all the things. But um she did a couple of years ago she did a Bible study on um scripture talking about the vine and the vine dresser and how we are part of the vine and all of the all of the things that have to do with a vineyard. And so to do that Bible study, she went and she went and actually like worked a vineyard for a little while with her daughter, which is, I mean, dedication. And um, she came back home and planted her own vineyard. And she did all of these lessons about like why this represents God and why this is, um, why like the vine dresser is God. And one of the things she talks about right now, so her vines are now two years old, which I'm learning a lot about grapes. Um, <laughs> the You have to cut any fruit on them for the first two years. You have to cut it off or it doesn't grow roots deep enough. They focus too much on producing the fruit and not producing roots. And so then if you let them grow, like they just die and they fall out of the ground, mm. literally. So um, just recently, um, some deer got a hold of her two, and you're supposed to cut it for two years. So she's just at the point where like she can let it grow for the first year and deer ate all of her grapes. Oh, and she she was like, I just keep telling myself it means their roots are growing deeper and all of these things. And she just keeps like talking about how every day she goes and she checks under every single leaf and like checks for the grapes and all of these things. And every single time she talks about how this is how much care God takes of us, mm -hmm. of like checking every single day and caring for each little tiny grape that's on the vine. And for two years, he's trimming us two years is to the grapes, but for years he's developing us and, and putting our roots deeper into the ground. And I just, it, the imagery of this vine and these grapes and God, and even though it is scripture, but like to literally see her doing it, like mm -hmm. actually out there with her, her clippers cutting the stuff and just saying, this is breaking my heart, but I'm doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. And I feel that like, I know there are things in my life where I think they broke God's heart, but he knew it was for my good. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like the breaking of the, his heart is more that it hurt me, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it was painful, but he knew it was good. And so I don't know, it was just a new perspective and I really liked it. Can I actually ask, I mean, without getting into the specifics, but were those conflicts like sometimes when, oh, that was just a tough thing that happened to you? Or, I mean, some people might be like, oh, so was it sin in your life or was it, you know, but like, what were those things that were pruning, that were shaping you that maybe had, were, was painful for God, as you're saying, according to this metaphor, uh, but that produce is producing fruit? Yeah, I. I think at the beginning of my journey in Christianity is probably sin things. Um, but 
as I've matured in my faith, I think it's just hardships, like frustrating things when I, this, this really, it still hurts me. Um, so I hear that in my voice, but, um, I think about the times when things of the church have broken my heart and I think God hurts with me in those things. He wants good things for his people and he wants us to grow in, in depth and, Sometimes I think that things of the church are surface level. And so he cuts them. And it and it's something that we feel is is fruitful. There's literally fruit on these vines when she clips them. And so we see this fruit, we see this new growth, and all of a sudden it fails, it crashes. And or there's there's people in my life that I think are a possibility of growth and depth and all of a sudden it ends and it moves and it changes and I think in those times when I'm seeking the Lord's will is when I think God's like I know this hurts I know you saw this as being something good but we can do better and so if I am faithful to my obedience to trust him, it, it bears more fruit, better fruit, mm-hmm. stronger fruit, right? Like, um, and that's what she, she talks about a lot. It, it is hard to trust the process. So. Thank you for sharing that. And um, if I'm understanding correctly, honestly, uh, those times when you've seen the church not being the church or you've seen you've had hopes for people and uh, they have not followed through, yeah. um, perhaps leaving the faith. I don't know. I, I don't know all the details. Um, but I think an interesting part of that is that it's pro- that those things are producing fruit in you. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're not talking just about, oh, I got through the hardship and God proved that he can get me through it. That's, that's one thing, but that's pretty surface level, actually. I mean, that's not, that's not all that we proclaim. We proclaim that actually even in the difficulty, we can come out better than we were before, yeah. deeper than we were before, more committed than we were before. And I, I sense that that is what's happening yeah. as you share. Absolutely. And how much does it speak to, like, the timing of God? Right. Like, you know, what I hear in in what you're saying, Chelsea, is like literally in order to have a fruitful vineyard, it means that two years, even though you see something that's producing, like in me, it makes me think of the parable of the um, sower. And to me, honestly, the seed that falls on the rocks is the scariest one to me because it says it literally is there long enough to start putting down roots, but then it goes away, you know? And so it's putting down roots. It might be bearing just a little bit of fruit, but then it's not the seed that falls onto good soil that bears 30, 60, 100 times more. And so like I even think about sometimes we have the conversation in missions about somebody that is a brand new Christian, like immediately putting them into leadership and sharing and teaching. And, you know, and so I'm taking this example of like, there is like this timeline of God that like, we need to allow new Christians to put down deep roots. And it could look like they've got a really great fruit coming from them within two or three months because of the excitement of transformation 
transformation. That is real of what God does in our lives when he comes into our lives for the first time. But at the same time, it's like there are certain things as the church that we would say, let's make sure you're putting down really strong roots before we're just going to put you into this teaching position and stuff like that. It's really interesting to me to hear you say that, Chelsea. And uh, and, and it makes me think just about a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. <laughs> Well, man, oh goodness, this is this is good. Thank you, uh, thank you both for sharing what what kind of is on your hearts. And uh, I now want to move to Natalie. I know that you've been thinking about a lot as we're able to talk. Uh, sometimes you're like, God is really teaching me a lot of things. What are you what What are you thinking? What's What's been on your heart recently? Thank you, Scott. Well, I've been thinking, and it, it's interesting how it gets along with what Chelsea was saying um, because it is about timing as well. Um, I've been thinking, praying, and asking lots of questions about how is it like when you are waiting and you, you've been called, but you're waiting to know exactly where God wants you to serve. Um, so in the meantime of um, this prayer and these questions to God, I was just, just asking so many questions. I had the blessed to talk with the Seneca's family. Um, we were having a lunch together <laughs> and I was asking so many questions to them like the same <laughs> how is it like for you like and I want to say sorry <laughs> I want to apologize to them because I know they were they were overwhelmed because of all those questions for a little context uh the Senecas are a family that has just recently come to the Dominican Republic and so not that I imagine you're just grilling them you're just telling them uh just asking them questions so what Lots are you of questions yeah what are you feeling they were like? so nice yeah exactly <laughs> answering everything um I, and I was pretty much asking them how was it like for them because I am in this position like Okay, I am responding to the calling, um, but I don't know where God wants me. And it is so clear, like, to see in front of me a prayer that was answered because all Dominicans, we were praying for someone or family that coordinates um, work and witness ministry in here. And to see that prayer that was answered in front of me, and to when I was listening to their stories, it was beautiful because it is a God thing. I just saw it in front of me. And mm. my heart was just, I was about to cry. They didn't realize that, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then um, what I realized during that time of praying um, was this, and I want to share this, I want to bring this to the table. Um, it doesn't matter at all um, in what part of the table am I going to sit. It is huge mm. to realize and that the king of the universe invited us to eat. Yeah. Mm. He wants to eat with us. He invited us. He invited me and I don't deserve this. So it doesn't matter in what seat am I going to eat. It doesn't matter at all. If he wants me sweeping, mopping, anything, it's okay <laughs> because the, the thing that he wants to eat with me, he invited me to the table with him. It's just too much it's mm. just mm. i don't deserve this so mm. i stop asking and i'm gonna trust the process i'm gonna t uh, trust his timing but then as i'm in here i would like to hear from you guys how was it like for you i know the Seneca stories but i would like to know about you as missionaries how was it for you when you got the calling and then when you were confirmed that god wanted you in somewhere 
Interesting. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, like even your, the passion and your testimony, you're talking about, uh, how, yes, you're, you're positive. You are called, uh, to missions. You're called and God has called you. Yes. But you're still wondering, where's that going to be? How is that going to be? And God is confirming to you it, you don't need to know that yet. Right. And so your question to us is, what about us when we didn't know either, or how did we come to find out, uh, you know, where we would serve or what did we feel during that moment? Yes, exactly. I think for, for me, so I always tell people like, I didn't realize God was calling me until much later. But when I look back on my life, I realized God was calling me when I was 14. I just didn't, I didn't realize it at the time. So when I actually realized that God was calling me, I was like ready to go. I was ready to do something, ready to go to the mission field. And so I pursued different avenues to do that. And it seemed like they all just kind of fell apart. They, all the doors were shut in my face. I was just like, okay, so do you not want me to go into missions? Like, what am I supposed to do now? And I got really frustrated and really disappointed because, and confused too, because I, I felt for sure that God was calling me to missions and I was, I was ready to put in the work to do what I needed to do to get there. Right. And then it just shut down. And so that was very confusing and, uh, frustrating. But then I, I just started kind of living life. Um, Chelsea and I got married and through our relationship, uh, God taught me other things as well. And I think that's what, that was one of the things that God was waiting for was for me to mature in that way and in our relationship and for her to lead me uh, into the mission field. Um, because if I went by myself, I would have been a totally different person and it probably would not have gone as well as, as it has gone. <laughs> and so looking back, i I think that, that that time of waiting was more of what Chelsea was talking earlier, like him pruning different parts of me. Um, and I needed that piece of me to be pruned off, this kind of this like gung-ho attitude of like, yeah, let's get it done um, in order to have more patience and to hear God more. I think sometimes when I reflect on our call, um, it's interesting to see how God does develop your story. And even listening to you talk to uh, Chelsea, <laughs> looking straight at AJ and I said Chelsea, <laughs> but listening to you talk, AJ, um, it was just making me reflect on uh, the handful of years. Literally, Scott and I didn't have many years. And we know that our story is very unique. I feel like every time we share like how, what God did in our life, it happened very fast for us. It just unfolded very fast. And um, a scripture that we've come to take as our own, especially when we talk about our call to mission is Galatians 5.25 that says, if you live by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. And the one thing that I can tell you, Natalie, in our lives is Scott got to the point in May of 2003 that he was graduating from seminary. We didn't know. I mean, literally that year is when we got a missionary contract and we did not know that that was coming that year in May. And um, I remember we were talking about, um, well, what do we do next? Like we thought we were going to be missionaries. So like, what's the next step? And uh, we were talking about, well, we probably need to go to a church that's working in church planting. And some people had given us uh, advice in global 
available missions. And I just remember thinking, you know what, if this isn't the time, like we thought this was going to be, we put the timeline down of like, okay, well, we're going to go seminary. We're going to go to the field. And like, it didn't look like it was going to be that. Um, but truly just keeping in step and saying, God, wherever the ministry is that you're leading me in, I'm going to say yes. And that's what I have found over and over again. And we were prepared to say yes. We were prepared to find a church that was going to prepare us more to be missionaries uh, than where we were currently serving. And uh, Scott often says that a lot of people feel like they're in the waiting room. But man, typically when we're in the waiting room of God's waiting room, it's because he's doing that preparing. He's he's literally doing something in our lives that he's like, I need you to go through this process going back to the vine. I need you to get some deeper roots in this process that you don't even know is a part because in five years, when you are serving as a missionary, you're going to lean back on this five-year experience or whatever, you know, and, and we could sit and talk to you for hours about like how we've seen, you know, the things that God did in the waiting room of life that prepared us for what we're doing today. So I would offer you that as, as a piece of encouragement that we found to be true and real in our lives. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I know when we, when Andrea and I like got married, we were talking with Scott and Emily about like eventually coming to the mission field and we asked them, what should we do? And they were like, we won't consider you for missionary service for a year until you've like done ministry together and been married for a year. And we were like, what? That is so mean of them. They're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And they were absolutely right. (laughs) Um, But we decided to be intentional with that year because we recognized that neither of us had done ministry together. Um, We'd done ministry separately. And I know that in your context, you're not married. And so like, that's a little bit different, but still like, have you church planted before? Have you like met someone of a different faith and tried to build a relationship with them? There are things that, and I know Santo Domingo well enough that you could put yourself in situations that create growth in your ability to minister to others. And some of that is classes, some of it's experiences, some of it's stepping out of your comfort zone. And so we did that and ended up being youth pastors, which was super out of our comfort zone. And like now I can look back and and see those three years of formation where we were serving intentionally for preparation for the mission field were critical to how we serve today and they formed our missiology honestly and so that would be a huge piece is like if you know the Lord is calling you seek every single opportunity to get involved in anything ministry wise it doesn't even have to look traditional it could be joining a an Arabic class so that you can learn Arabic all the things And I can tell you the one uh, kind of, we say joke, but it's not really a joke, is the missionaries that get deployed are the ones that pastors are like, oh, no, I could never send them. They're such a key piece of my congregation. Like, they're so involved. They're so involved in ministry. They've got vision for the church, and it's like, oh, I could never send them. We're like, well, that's the person that God's been preparing them for missionary service. So the more that you're involved in, the, the... that the easier it is when the door becomes open that to be like, oh yeah, it's totally Natty's turn. And like, it, she needs to go and people are like, oh, we don't want to lose her. But like, we know God's been preparing her for this. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we answered completely your, your question, but. A lot. Okay, good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe after this episode, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but 
anyway, uh, AJ, I think uh, you and I, I think we'll just not, uh, the time has come, and <laughs> I think we'll not share what we've been thinking, uh, but maybe we'll start the next time, next go around that we do this, uh, and we'll start with you, right? We're but just going to make you write a blog on what you've been thinking, which you write all the time, so we know I actually do write. I, I probably <laughs> will. You know your mind. Yeah. Com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the promo. You're welcome. Um, so yeah, I, think, I think we will leave it there, but that's what we've been thinking, and but this one kind of went in some different ways, um, got maybe a little deeper. Um, but I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you for, for really thinking through this and thank you for the conversation that we have had. Um, with that said, Emily, where, if other people want to kind of talk through and, and share some thoughts on what we've said today, where can they find us? Find us on Facebook at the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us at mesoamericagenesis.org under the podcast tab. And if you like this episode and want to listen to more, maybe it's your first time and you want to hear, there's a catalog of over 100 episodes. They're all available on that website. You can also find them on Spotify. Excellent. We are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.